Welcome back to Motherkind. It is me, your host, Zoe. This is the show that is here to support you in motherhood. You know, I've only ever had one goal with this show, and that is to help you have a happier, calmer, and more joy-filled motherhood. That was my mission when I started six years ago, and it is still my mission today. So thank you to those of you that come back each and every week to listen, learn, and feel inspired. This week's episode is with Rebecca Cox, who is the co-author of How to Be a Happy Single Parent. So of course, if you're a single parent, you are going to love this episode, but it really is about so much more than that. It's about letting go of the picture of how we think mothering and parenthood should be and embracing whatever version of motherhood we find ourselves in with grace and joy. You are going to learn so much in this episode. You're going to learn what stops us asking for help and how to change that for good, how to know if it's the right choice for you to end a relationship, what the biggest stumbling block is for single parents, what single parents really need, and it's not what you might think, how to embrace and find deep happiness in single parent and how to navigate co-parenting with ease and perspective. I really think you are going to love this one. Here it is. This episode is sponsored by Coru Kids. After school childcare can be so tricky, can't it? It's hard to find and usually means long days for little ones at school. Well, Coru Kids is changing that with flexible part-time nannies that can work just the hours you need. Their nannies are from a variety of backgrounds, students, artists and writers, but they all have one thing in common, which is a passion for working with children. Coru Kids take care of the vetting, references and employment checks. In fact, less than 5% of applicants actually go on to join the platform. And these nannies aren't fuddy-duddy, Mary Poppin types. They are the perfect solution to your busy family life. They let tired kids come home, eat a home-cooked meal, get homework done and enjoy activities and fun, bringing joy to their afternoons and calm to your evenings. We all need a bit of that, don't we? For a limited time, our listeners can trial a nanny for free. Yes, free. Worth over £50. Just head to corukids.co.uk. That's K-O-R-U-Kids.co.uk and use the code MOTHERKIND when you sign up to get your free three-hour trial. Well, Rebecca, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to chat to you. I was very lucky to be sent a copy of How to Be a Happy Single Parent and I loved it. So I can't wait to hear a bit more about your story and to share with all of our audience some of the amazing tips and ideas. Well, thank you so much for having me on and thank you for reading the book. It's always lovely to hear that it's not complete nonsense. So thanks for that. It's definitely not. So tell me about your journey into single motherhood. So I had my son eight years ago and I'd been with his dad since I was 18. I met him at university probably not the best time to be making those sorts of choices and decisions in hindsight, but it very quickly became apparent after I had my son that I wasn't going to be able to raise him in a happy home if we stayed together. So when he was just over one, I made the decision that we needed to separate and it was just like a bomb exploding. And that was new life. I was a single mum. I grew up in a household with a single mum, but still it felt like, no, I can't do this. How could I possibly do this? I didn't know any other single parents at the time. I just felt completely lost and I was incredibly unhappy. It was mad. It was chaos. So 
rebuilt things step by step, piece by piece. I did it completely on my own, which was in hindsight also not the best choice to be making, but I didn't really feel like I had that support network, which was actually completely untrue. I did have the support network. I didn't have the courage to ask for help from my support network. So I just kind of did what I needed to do, got things done, focused on Jack. I kind of stayed in my house on my own for the best part of a year, doing things like crocheting and learning calligraphy to avoid being in the real world. And yeah, kind of then rebuilt my life as a single mum, learnt how to be on my own because I hadn't been on my own since I was 18 or ever, I guess. And I also through my writing. So I've been a journalist my whole career. I worked initially in kind of fashion, beauty, general women's lifestyle. And as soon as I became a single mum, it was the first time that I'd felt like I needed to see people doing what I was doing and I couldn't find them. So then I started also writing about my experiences as a single mum, trying to connect with others through my writing and just had immediate positive feedback and just felt seen and was able to see others through those connections. That just also pivoted my writing into writing about single parenthood as well. And just winding back to when you said, I thought, can I really do this? Because I think there would be so many people listening in that place. I know if I think about some of my clients and some of my friends, they're like, I actually know that this relationship is not helping us have the happiest home. But I think there is so much fear associated with breaking up, with going out on your own. And of course, finances has a massive implication as well. Can you talk to some of that fear, what your fears were and actually how you've handled those? As you said, it feels completely overwhelming. And I think that that's what stops so many people feeling able to make that leap. And there are people that they need to do that for their safety and for the safety of their children. And there are people that simply are not happy. And that is a valid reason as well to make that choice. But as you said, there's so many things that are standing in people's way. Many of them are economic at the end of the day, and the systems are just not in place to support people who want to have a one income household, particularly if you've got children. So finances is for many and most people, the biggest stumbling block. But there are other things as well. For me, finances was a massive one, but there's also the stigma and shame attached to being a single parent. And I think all mothers, whatever your situation would probably recognize that when you become a mother, you sort of lose all sense of self and you have to become a new person anyway. So then if you layer on top of that, becoming a single mum, it's so far from how most people pictured their life that you can't really get your head around that. And it obviously doesn't help that there's not that many positive images of single mothers. The media stereotypes around single parenthood and single motherhood in particular are still very negative. So as well as all the logistics, the co-parenting logistics, the where are you going to live, the what are you going to do for childcare, finances. I think the biggest thing to get over at the beginning is actually your identity as a single mother and that you can still have kind of a life that you're proud of as a single mum. And then as soon as you can actually get to grips with that idea, then you can start overcoming some of those hurdles. So I met Zoe, the co-author of How to Be a Happy Single Parent through her single parenting app, which is called Frollo. 
I was trying to find this connection through my writing and she was trying to find this connection and created this amazing space for single parents to meet. We both just wanted the same thing. We both wanted to feel seen and feel that we were not doing the wrong thing. We were not providing the wrong kind of life for our children by being a single parent. And almost from the moment we met, we were talking about the need for this book to exist because there's so many single mums and dads out there just feeling completely lost. How do they rebuild their life? What would that life even look like? I just wish I'd had this toolkit or roadmap to how to get to where I am now seven years ago. Just talking about some of those barriers, some of them we're in more control of, I'd say, particularly around letting go of the picture of how we thought we'd be, letting go of that should, you know, we should do this, we should do this. But the finances is such a complex barrier, isn't it? And I know you've got a whole chapter in the book about that. What are some of the things, if someone is listening and they are thinking, I cannot think of a way that I am going to be able to live my life, pay for childcare, if we're not in a dual income family, what can someone do? I think the first thing to say on this is, at the end of the day, sometimes it's not physically possible. And unfortunately, that is the economic climate that we're in. And anyone who is in that situation should not feel that they are failing because they're not able to provide that for their children. Secondly, there are things you can do, but again, you have to be able to repaint that picture of what you thought your life would look like and what it should look like and what it may look like in the future. So for me, I needed to essentially double my income if I wanted to stay in the house. I'm in a tiny little house, but it's got two bedrooms, one for me and one for my son. And if I wanted to stay here, then I needed to double my income because I had to cover all of the bills and everything on my own. And because I'm a writer, journalist, the magazine that I work for, Country and Townhouse, let me work completely flexibly. I do part-time for them. And then on top of that, I just needed to somehow conjure up another income. So I took on copywriting, freelance. I was working every single minute of the day whenever Jack was asleep. And now I often work into the evenings. Large parts of this book were written in the middle of the night because it was important for me that we could stay in this house and we could make that work. And again, that's not going to be possible for everybody because not everybody is a freelance writer. Not everybody can simply work more hours because they don't have more hours. So then that's where A, lots and lots of budgeting, what do you actually need? And again, it's not what you think you need or what you thought you would need for your life pre-becoming a single parent. It's what do you actually physically need? What does your child physically need to be safe, to be secure? Putting those essentials down and thinking about how you're going to cover those costs. And if you can't, what are the options for support that are available to you? You know, we do have child benefit, we have universal credit. There is the child maintenance system. I mean, CMS is a whole nother story and people have very, very mixed experiences with it. But if your child's other parent is in the picture at all, then you may be able to get support from them financially. And if they're not willing to engage in that, there are systems in place that can support you in seeking that financial support. So it's getting to grips with all of the services and the support systems that are available to you and actually asking for help and engaging with the single parent community that's out there because everybody has been through this. And there are so many people that have help and advice and people really are willing to give it to you. Yeah. It's interesting how you said ask for help. And at the start of the conversation, you said, you know, I thought I didn't have a support network, but I actually did. What was stopping you asking for that support? And and how do you look at it differently now? 
It's definitely shame and pride. It's that wonderful concoction of, of feelings. I think there's shame and stigma attached to the single mum label. However, as I've kind of unpicked that and as the years have gone on, I've realized that that was coming from me. You know, it's yes, there are negative images of single mothers. If you choose to look at them wherever, you know, there's certain newspapers that shall not be named that still have single mum this and single mum that all the time. And media portrayals of single mums tend to be quite chaotic, promiscuous, slightly messy. Not saying I'm not all of those things, but it was coming from within. And as soon as I started to build that life and started to realize that I was actually okay, my son was okay, we were more than okay, we were content, we were happy in moments, then I was like, why would I feel ashamed of this? You know, why would I feel ashamed that I'm doing all of this by myself? It's something to be proud of. And equally with the pride of not needing help, not wanting help. I mean, I'm sure there's lots and lots of people listening who are hyper-independent and think that, you know, I'm fine. I've got this. I'm on my own and think that that's a good thing. And actually when you're a single parent, there is a feeling of, I have to be able to be okay by myself because I've got no fallback, but also recognizing that a, that's not good for you because it's too much stress. It's too much pressure to have on yourself, but also it's not good for your children because you're showing them that they need to be by themselves or they need to be okay by themselves all the time. And the fact is we don't live in that world. You know, we build happiness through our interactions, through our relationships with other people. That's where we actually find joy. That's where we find contentment. You know, I get nearly all of my joy in life from my connection with my son. And so to think that I need to be completely fine by myself is mad. It's so true. And, you know, I'm thinking about friends of mine that have gone into single motherhood. How can someone support someone who maybe isn't asking for help, but you can see, like, how would you have loved someone to have supported you? I would have loved for people to not listen to me when I said I was fine. I would have loved when I had my first night off from my son and I said, I just wanted an early night for someone to say, no, I'm going to come around. In hindsight, that's what I would have loved is for people to see through that I'm fine because I clearly was not fine. And it's difficult. It's difficult when someone says, no, I want to be by myself to do something that's contrary to that. You know, I'm a cat lady and my cat died in the winter and it just broke my heart. It completely broke my heart because he'd been my companion when my son was away since I'd been a single mum. And I went into a deep, deep, deep period of grief. And my sister-in-law, I'm not massively, massively close with my sister-in-law. I see her as often as I can, but we don't speak all the time. But I saw her when I was at my mum's one weekend and she just instantly said, you're not okay, are you? And I was like, no, not really. That week, she just came over in the evening and just sat with me. And I cannot tell you how much of a difference it made just for her to show up for me like that. And it wasn't even that... I needed anything from her. It was just somebody actively and physically showing up for me and saying, you're not on your own. And I think that's what single parents need in those kind of early moments where they're coming to terms with so much. It's just for people to show up for them and say, I'm here. Just so you know, I'm not going anywhere. You're not on your own as alone as you feel because you feel so alone. And it's the evenings when you put your children to bed and you're in the house. You know, I think in lockdown, it was amazing because 
so many of my friends were stuck in their houses and they'd never been stuck in their houses. And the ones that lived on their own were like, oh, you know, I'm just stuck in the house on my own. I'm going mad. And I was like, that's what being a single parent's like. If you're a single parent to a young child, you put them to bed early and every evening you're just in your house. You can't go out. You can't pop to the shop if you need to. You're just stuck in your house. And it feels so isolating because you feel like nobody else is in this situation. You've got this sudden sense of like, anyone else can simply open the door and leave anytime they want. You know, you feel so alone in that. And actually you're not, there's millions of people doing it. There's millions of single parents. There's people doing it all over the country and connecting with some of those people is an amazing first step, which is why the work that Zoe does with Frollo is amazing because that community is just one of the most supportive spaces I've ever witnessed, honestly. It's so true, that sense of loneliness. Did you have to make new friendships? And what was that like when I guess you're trying to put your life back together with a different picture? Did you lose friends? Did you make new friends? What was that like? I mean, again, this isn't unique to single motherhood, but I think when you become a mother, you have such a need for new friends, right? You have such a need for friends for different things, for different phases of our lives. So you need friends with kids the same age that are in the same place as you at the same time. And the same is exactly true of single motherhood. You need single parent friends because not only do you need single parent friends, you need single parent friends with the same kind of situation as you. And I think that's why throughout the book, we've kind of spliced in people's stories from all different situations. So We have single mums and single dads. We have solo adopters, widows, widowers, single parents by choice, co-parents, because there's this amazing community where we all have one thing in common, but equally the challenges you're facing if you're co-parenting are completely different if you've lost your partner, the logistics, the having to have time off, the not being able to have time off. It's like to have to be away from your children versus never getting a minute away from your kids, you know. There's such unique challenges and to be able to find even one person who has the same situation as you. And I've got some amazing, amazing friends that I met through Frollo who had exactly the same situation. They've got exactly the same relationship with their ex. They have exactly the same amount of days here and there and the children are the same age. One of my close friends, Amina, she has a son the same age as my son. And for the last four years, we've done holidays together. And our boys are a week apart in age. She lives miles away from me. I only see her a couple of times a year, but we speak fairly frequently. And we do this holiday once a year with the boys. And they're so close. They're like brothers for this week. And it's amazing. We get to do this family holiday. There's two grown ups to drink wine by the pool, there's two kids to play in the pool. We have that perfect family holiday that both of us thought we'd be having, but it's with a stranger I met on the internet and I'm so close with her and I love her to bits and I've still got my school friends. They're all doing their own own thing. And my best mate, I speak to at least four times a day on the phone, but I need those friends who are in the same situation as me. And I think we all need that really. It's so true in motherhood. And I think you're right. It takes on another layer in solo motherhood, doesn't it? And the title of your book is how to be a happy single parent. And I was wondering from where you were to where you are now, what are some of the things that have really helped you feel that sense of happiness? In terms of the book, it was so important to both of us that it was about being happy because it's not about surviving. And I think that 
single parenthood is often spoken about in these kind of like battle terms of get through it and survive and just keep your head down and it will be over soon. And I think that just does it such a disservice. And I think it's true with parenthood in general. People often talk about motherhood as, you know, you'll get past it. It's just a phase and just keep going and you'll get over it. And it's easy to say with hindsight. And I feel completely differently about Jack's early years. You know, I would give anything to have them again, but it's such a precious and short amount of time. And to be able to be happy and to actually be present and enjoy those childhood years is just so important. And it's honestly getting things in place and the survival part of single parenthood is what you need to do to be happy. And for me, my happiness has come from feeling safe, from feeling secure, from having a tiny bit less stress. Every action that I've taken that has reduced the level of stress, the day-to-day finances, am I going to have enough to pay the bills? As soon as you start getting those things in place, it's for me, I mean, happiness, I think is often confused with contentedness because yes, I've had amazing highs with Jack and I'm lucky I get to travel through work and do press trips and Jack gets to come along with me. So we've gone on amazing holidays together. We did a trip on the train down the South of France and Italian coast. And that was just a week of heavenly, like it was the best holiday I've ever taken with my, at the time, seven-year-old son. And I just felt like I was away with my best mate. We just laughed the whole time. It was amazing. You know, we laid in the sun, we read books on the balcony. I was just like, this is what motherhood is about. And that was like a high point. But actually for me, happiness in single motherhood is just the day-to-day, the contentedness. I picked up my son from school yesterday and we walked home through the park and he did not stop talking. He didn't take a breath for the whole 20-minute walk. He was blah, 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 telling me about this story. I goodness only knows what he was talking about, honestly, but it was just, he was so excited to tell me about his day. And I just thought, I'm so lucky. I'm so lucky. I get to take him home. A, I get to pick him up from school. I get to hold his hand, walk through this sunny park, take him home. And when we get home, that's our house. That's it. You know, that's us. We set the tone. How lucky, how lucky am I? Thanks to this week's sponsor, Belkin. My girls love Belkin's Soundform headphones for their screen or music time. They can be with or without a wire. They are incredible quality and really durable, which given how much they get dropped and thrown about is very important. They're super soft and comfy for the girls to wear. They've got a long lasting battery life. And my seven-year-old tells me they're cool, probably because they come with stickers that she decorated hers with. So there you go. What more do we need than that? And for us parents, the kids' range is also specially engineered to protect their hearing with a maximum volume limit. I want you to try these amazing headphones for yourself. So visit belkin.com forward slash UK, use the code motherkind15 for 15% off their entire audio range. I think these gorgeous headphones would make a brilliant Christmas present. So that's motherkind15 on belkin.com forward slash UK. Offer is valid to the end of January 31st and is for the UK only. For anyone listening, I think, who's contemplating it or maybe new to it, it's such a hopeful message of perspective and gratitude. What are some of the things that still challenge you? I think for anybody who co-parents, there are always going to be challenges. I would say that it gets easier but that would potentially be a lie. It's different. And you learn, you learn as you go to have kind of conflict with the 
other parent of your child is incredibly hard, whether you're living with them and you're married to them or whether you're separated and you're trying to navigate who's going to have the weekend and who's going to do this and blah, 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 you know, and being able to remove yourself from those situations and purely put your child first is so difficult. I grew up with a single mom and my dad was kind of almost out of the picture altogether, but he moved to America. So I would go and visit him once or twice a year or whatever. And my mum is, I mean, my mum's a bit of an angel, actually. She's like a primary school teacher and she's just this calm, lovely being. And she just never said a word. She never said a word about my dad. She just let us get excited to go see him. And she was so neutral. It's only as I've gotten now to my situation and as I've gotten older that I've realized what a gift that is to be completely neutral to simply happily hand over, witness my excitement to see my dad or listen to my tears if I was, you know, upset about not seeing him or whatever it was, to take her emotions completely out of the situation was just such an amazing gift for me as a child. And to have that as an example, I'm so lucky because I just try and keep that in my mind at all times when it comes to co-parenting. It's not about me and I don't always do this. I am not my mother at all. I'm very different. And there are times when my emotions get the better of me. But to have that in my mind all the time is it's my son's choice. You know, he gets to make those decisions about his parents. And equally, my ex gets to make the decisions about what kind of father he wants to be. I can't do that for him. And I have zero control over the choices he makes. And actually, there are things that he does better than I do. And being able to kind of grow and see yeah, he's doing a good job in lots of ways. And I need to just let him do that. And Jack deserves that. That's his dad. And, you know, I think that's where the challenges lie for me. And I mean, there's always financial challenges, honestly, for nearly all single parents. So yes, economic challenges remain. And it's the anxiety of being the sole provider in the house. I think it's funny because I think a lot about gender roles and have lots of debates with various people about gender roles. And I think obviously there's been so much more of an understanding around kind of the mental load in the house and and the division of labor. And I think progress is very slowly being made, although I don't have any division of labor with my son. But when it comes to the pressure that goes on to the kind of the breadwinner role of you could lose your job and that's it, what happens to your household? I think because that's now being completely shared in lots of households. If there is a one income household, the anxiety and the stress around what happens if I lose my job is something that's completely new to me since becoming a single mother. And so that's just kind of like layered on top of all of the other household stresses. So yeah, there's still worries around those things. I think the co-parenting idea, whether you're co-parenting or parallel parenting or whatever someone's doing, I think is something that people worry about a lot, particularly because I think there's been so much conversation in the parenting space about you have to be on the same page and you have to do the same thing at one house and the other house, which to me just seems impossible. My partner and I live in the same house and there's not much parenting things that we do exactly the same. How do you figure that out? You know, do you have to sit down and have a conversation and say, these are the really important to me that we don't do this or we do this? Or as you were talking about, you just completely have to hand over it really depends on the relationship you have with your ex, I think. And again, it's letting go of those ideas. I think that almost all of parenting is letting go of, of what you thought was going to happen and then actually taking the situation as it's presented to you and doing your best. And 
you know, I had these ideas of we would all have these Sunday dinners together and we would, you know, it would be just everything was going to be great. And it's not realistic. You have to just take the situation as it is. And if you have an amazing relationship with your ex, which at times I do have, those are the moments where you can have those conversations and you can say, oh, how are you doing bedtime? And how are you managing with reading? And what do you think about this? And my son plays football almost every day and both his dad and I are big football fans. So that's something we've always had in common. And so we talk all the time about his football and that's something that we're always able to connect well on. We talk about how he's getting on at training, you know, this club, we always talk really well about that. So you have to take those points that you know, you agree on, that, you know, you have common ground on. And if that's the only thing that we talk really well about, that's fine. But you have to realize there are two of you. You can't control the other person. They can't control you equally. So if they're telling you, you have to do it like this. And if they're making you feel like, okay, I have to do it like this, I have to do it like this. You can listen to them. You can nod, you can say yes. Then you can remove yourself and actually realize that you have control over how you are a parent now. You know, that's one of the amazing parts of being a single parent is that you do have the complete autonomy in your house to make those decisions about how you want to raise your child. And as hard as it is to let go of the fact that you don't have that when your child is with their other parent, I think just really making those decisions carefully when you have the luxury of making them by yourself, because at the end of the day, in an ideal world, yes, your child would have exactly the same boundaries in both households. They would have exactly the same bedtime routine and the same diet and all of those. They would have a lot of stability across the two households. And if you can provide that, that's amazing. But if you can't, having the best you can do for them at whatever time they're with you is more than enough. Yeah, it's so true. And I remember when my partner and I, my husband and I are still together, but before we had kids, maybe it was just after we had kids, we were in couples therapy talking about this. And I said, we've got such different ideas around parenting. And the therapist said, you're never going to completely align. And that does such a disservice, I think. It's bonkers, isn't it? We would never do the same thing at work. We would never do the same thing when we went out with our friends. So why on earth do we think we're going to do exactly the same thing when we're raising our children? And she said, your children have got such a gift, Zoe. She said, they're going to see one way from you and they're going to see one way from him. They're going to see two sides of life. And I thought that's such a beautiful way of putting it. And it's true. Like my kids say that to me, like, oh, you know, daddy would do this differently and I do this differently. And I say, isn't that amazing that you get to see, you know, we're in the same house. <laughs> it's like you get to see those two different things. And I just think it's such a beautiful way of taking that pressure off from this, to me, seems like a completely unrealistic ideal that you would do everything the same and have the same values. Yeah, I know. I used to really feel like, well, he needs my way all the time. And it's like the audacity to think that I know what I'm doing any better than anyone else. It's like, I'm a nightmare. Like, like, I'm sure some things I do better than his dad, but I'm sure there are things that his dad does better than I do. And to take yourself down a peg and to understand that you're not doing it perfectly is such a gift to yourself because it just takes the pressure off. You can't control what you can't control. 
Completely. It's that humility, isn't it? I was saying this to Guy the other day. I was like, you really do so much better at that than me. I was like, you just handled that so well. I never would have handled it like that. And it's that humility of who am I? And I think as mothers, sometimes we can think I'm the mum. I know best. And it does give us a freedom, doesn't it? To allow other people to have influence on our children. Of course, that's scary, I think. Exactly. It's that releasing of control. It's terrifying. I think any parent would relate to that. You wish you could just keep them safe and keep them happy and, and know exactly what everyone's, you know, what are their friends saying to them and what's the, it's, you want to know, but at the end of the day, you can't, it's not realistic and it's not good for them. They need to gradually get that sense of independence. Yeah. It's just one of those real paradoxes, isn't it? That we so want to hold on to them and yet a lot of their growth is going to come from us letting go. Yeah. So true. (laughs) But how do you let go? (laughs) I think it's hard for a single parent as well, right? Because that's why I think it's such a key part of being happy as a single parent is to focus on yourself and to make sure that you have a life outside of your child, because it's too much pressure on them. If you're in a couple you have each other, you have your own relationship as another thing that you're focusing on. And sometimes I think the temptation for single parents is to make their whole life about their child and also to kind of think that that's a gift to their child in a way. But actually your child will feel that pressure. Your children will feel that pressure. If your whole world is them, that's way too much to be putting on them. And it's also not the way for you to have a balanced and happy life because at some point, hopefully they will grow up and leave. And then what? It's like, you deserve to have a life outside of just being their mum. Yeah, it's true. It's too much pressure, isn't it? It's too much to hold thinking that, you know, I'm responsible for my parents' happiness, their whole happiness. It's too much. So what are some of the things that make you really happy outside of your role as mum? I get an enormous amount of pleasure from my writing and from reading other people's writing. I love the space to be able to be thoughtful and to explore ideas through writing. And I love listening to people's conversations like yours and the exploration of ideas. So I get a lot of joy from that. I walk and run. I'm outside as much as possible that's probably a backlash from all those years kind of trapped in the house as a single mum. But I can't sit in the house all day. Any free moment, I will be out walking or running. I travel as much as possible, seeing friends and dating. I think like dating as a single parent is such a privilege because you are that new person when you become a mum. And to be able to explore that through romantic connection is something that most parents don't get. And I think like finding out who you are through dating is actually a really fun and interesting process. I mean, sometimes it's not that fun, but it can be really fun. And I feel really lucky that I think because I was with my ex from 18 to 30, which is, I think, you know, usually the, the single years, I do feel really lucky that, you know, despite the heartbreak and life not working out as I thought it would, with kind of my first love, I feel so lucky to have been able to completely rediscover myself at this slightly older age. And yeah, it's been really fun. And do you find you're able to share really quickly your situation? Tell us about that when you're dating. Again, I think the first few years when I was dating, I had this enormous shame about being a single mum. 
I had so much stress about, do I tell people I'm a single mom? How do I tell them? I thought that people were going to reject me because of it, but actually that was coming from within. I hadn't come to terms with the fact I was a single mom. So I didn't want to tell people because actually I hadn't accepted it myself because now I don't feel like that at all. Sometimes I tell people immediately, sometimes I don't. It's completely circumstantial. I think in the book we interviewed Layla, who, uh, la la la, let me explain. And she's honestly one of the most amazing women ever. I love her. I found her on Instagram years ago when I became single and her dating advice is just second to none. She's a single mom. She's qualified social worker, sex educator, and she gives the best advice and she gives such no nonsense advice for single mums around the safety considerations when you're dating with children, because there are so many things you need to think about. And it's easy to be completely paralyzed by fear when you have a child to keep safe and you're meeting up with strangers or you're meeting people when you're out. There are so many things to consider. So we've included all of that in the book of her amazing advice around safety, but also just how to have fun with it. She also gives really great advice around like how to avoid fuck people and how to look out for the signs of when someone's you. Cause I didn't know any of this. I've never been single my whole life. And now I'm like this. Suddenly I was like a 31 year old being like, Oh, I'm going on a first date for the first time ever. And also I'm queer. So I hadn't dated women before. And it was like, how do I do this? This is even scarier because I don't want to be rejected by a woman. And I don't know. It was, yeah, it's kind of coming to terms with your own situation, starting to feel comfortable in your own skin. And the fact is like anything in life, you have to practice. You go on a date and you're a complete disaster. You have another relationship and that's a complete disaster. And you just learn, you learn as you go. I just love how you use words like privilege and gratitude and luxury. I think you said it's such a luxury to be able to date because It's so true, you know, that the stories that we tell ourselves do create how we show up. And I think I'm really inspired by just how positive and how everything that you've talked about so far is reframing to opportunity and positivity. And I love that because we need that, don't we, to counter, as you said, the, you know, arguably millennia of negativity around what it means to be a solo parent. And I always ask the same question at the end, which is if you could give just one gift to all the mothers in the world, what would that gift be and why? I've really been giving this some thought and there's so many things, honestly, that mothers need and particularly single mothers need. I think in kind of reflecting on, this has come up a few times over our conversation, but I think it would be the courage to ask for help because we all need help every mother needs help and you're not alone. The truth is whatever your situation, you are 100% not alone. And even if it's reaching out to a stranger on the internet, having the courage to ask for help is just such a game changer. I totally agree. Oh, thank you so much. It's been such a fantastic conversation. I think, you know, what I've loved about it is it's not just for single parents. I think everyone needs to listen to this because we are all supporting single parents. We all might become a single parent. So I think it's just, it's so important for everyone to to pick up a copy of the book. It's available everywhere. Is there anything else that you want to tell the mother kind community about? Yeah. So the book is out. It's called How to Be a Happy Single Parent. And as you said, I think it's not just for people who have unexpectedly become a single parent. It's for the person who maybe is thinking about becoming a solo parent or the person who maybe needs to become a single parent but doesn't know how or the friend who you might want to gift the book to. 
And as you said, the community element is key with motherhood, with parenthood, with single parenthood. We're all in this together and asking for help and accepting help is the first step to being happy. And the Frollo app, just tell us about that. Yeah, Zoe's Frollo app is an amazing, amazing community. You get on there, there's a message board, there's meetups, there's group chats. The meetups, I would say, if you can get to a meetup, a local one, or they do online meetups and they have expert talks, you will instantly feel less alone. I went to a meetup this summer in in Hyde Park and there were sort of like 40 parents from all different types all brought their kids. There were kids that had just met that day, all running around. It was just beautiful. It was incredible. And you instantly know, I'm not on my own here. We're all in this together. So that was the episode. I hope that you really enjoyed it. As ever, if you did, please consider sharing it with your friends and leaving me a review on iTunes. It really does make a difference to the number of mums that we can reach with the brilliant wisdom of the guests I have on. Hi, I'm Lauren. And I'm Nicole. And if you enjoy this show, you will love our podcast, Self Care Club. Every week, we trial a different form of self care and report back on the results. We've tried everything from cuddle therapy, setting boundaries, laughter yoga, and many more. Two friends who rarely agree on anything, testing out the world of self care so you don't have to. We've even written a book dedicated to self care practices that cost you nothing. You can listen to Self Care Club wherever you get your podcasts. Or to purchase our book, search Have You Tried This on Amazon.